1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week seven in the books. It was a short week, but a dense week. I thought some good games in the ACC. Look forward to talking about them here. How are you doing? Did you get to watch any of them? Good is a relative term when you're a Virginia Tech fan. Yeah, so, yeah, and I mean, a couple of these, I mean, calling them good games is, uh, you know, might take a little bit of explaining or a little bit of context.
0: Yeah, I, I think in some ways you're doing Virginia Tech-Miami a disservice by calling it a good game.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was a one-score it, game at the end in the fourth quarter. We'll you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. Battle of who's worse. So, that's right. And that, in and of itself, might be a good game. Mike, let's get into it. We have four games to recap here once again. uh, We will start with the one ranked-on-ranked matchup, as we all knew it would be at the start of the season. The number 18, Syracuse Orange, 24. The number 15, NC State Wolfpack, 9. We got news Saturday morning, I guess it was maybe Thursday or so, that we found out we weren't sure that Devin Leary was going to play. Saturday morning, we get news. Not only was he not going to play, but his season is over. Uh, he was going in to have surgery on, a I believe it was a torn pec. Is that right? Yep. So, Devin Leary, torn pectoral. Um, unclear if he will come back to NC State next year, if he has eligibility remaining, um, or if he will be gone trying to play on Sundays, but uh, the Wolfpack will be without him the remainder of the year. And... Mike, that was something that we had talked about a little bit with him, even over the first six games of this season, is NC State's offense, you know, a little bit of a – you know, they they could be efficient, but they were really not explosive, and they were really not, like, consistently pushing the ball down the field, um, picking up yards in chunks, running up the score on anybody. And without him, and with Jack Chambers now mainly behind center, that did not get solved here as Syracuse's defense – with just an absolute smothering effort here on Saturday. Yeah. Um, let's start with Dave Doran, right? He says, okay,
0: you know, Devin Leary could be gone anywhere from one to six weeks, is what he said. Well, we knew he was he lying. Was day-to-day. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're all just one doctor's appointment away, as I say, you know? It's, uh, as we get older, Joey, <laughs> that's kind of the... <laughs> And it turns out Devin Leary was one doctor's appointment away. So he's out for the year, Joey. He is no longer one to six weeks. Yes, he's uh, on IR, so to speak. So, I mean, I think that's probably the last we see of Devin Leary at NC State. I mean, he's got the COVID year of eligibility remaining next year, the sixth year if he wants it. I mean, I think he's probably got Sunday aspirations I think he's a Sunday type quarterback right I think he can play professionally so it's probably the last we see of him at NC State I would assume which you know not the greatest end to your career and for NC State I mean in terms of what this means for them moving forward I mean the outlook is kind of bleak offensively at least in the passing game right I mean I think we saw that on Saturday now Syracuse has a good defense right a a very good defense actually um One of the best defenses in the ACC, and that's a really bad time. Very good. And and that's a really bad time to have to break in a guy like Jack Chambers, who, of course, took over in relief a week ago, helped NC State to a victory over Florida State. But we kind of know what Jack Chambers is, I think, through a game and change, right? He's a former walk-on quarterback. He is definitely a better runner than passer. And NC State, which, to your point, Joey wasn't necessarily proficient or efficient in the passing game. Like we thought they would be coming into the year with Devin Leary certainly Mm -hmm. is not efficient or proficient in the passing game without Devin Leary and Jack Chambers. I think Mm -hmm. moving forward anyway, things are going to be looking a little bit different offensively, right? I think what we saw last night is number one, Jack Chambers is going to be rolling out a lot, right? A lot, a lot. Um, Devin Mm -hmm. Leary, stand back there in the pocket, sling it around. That's not going to be the offensive game plan with Jack Chambers, which makes sense. You know, try to make it as easy on him as possible in the rollout game. Have him be primarily high, low, throw it away, you know, have have those be the reads. And, you know, try to get a little bit of something out of the passing game, but really kind of ride your running game and your defense to victories and kind of grind things out the rest of the way. I think that's going to be the game plan you know, for the foreseeable future, or at least until Jack Chambers gets comfortable. And, you know, Saturday, he was not really comfortable in the passing game. Um, 18 of 30 passing for 160 yards. He looked okay, but clearly not Devin Leary in the pocket. Now running the football, he had 19 carries for 58 yards. Definitely, I, I mean, not great rushing numbers, but you know, it's clear through this game and then the Florida State game when we saw him in relief last week, that he's definitely more comfortable with his legs. And going up against the Syracuse defense, like, you don't want to be that one-dimensional, right? And I I think what ended up happening in this game is, like, NC State really couldn't generate much offensively, and then Syracuse just kind of grinded it out, grinded it out, grinded it out until the dam broke, right? And that Sean Tucker touchdown run late Mm -hmm. is kind of what, you know, really helped Syracuse pull away. So, I mean, yep. this is Sean Tucker's best rushing game of the year. <laughs> like, 14 carries, 98 yards. He was averaging 7 yards a rush. This is by far that's his right. best rushing I game of the year. I saw that on Twitter, year. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Yeah, he let you know, didn't he? <laughs> he let you oh, know. Yeah. He was running behind a really... He's running behind an interesting offensive line. Let's put it that way. And so this was his best rushing game Everyone's of the year.
1: Everyone's favorite running back and AP beat writer. <laughs>
0: yes, that's, that's right. And... He writes in ways that even third graders can understand, which makes
1: it helpful. So that's good. (laughs) Yeah, this was it was it was close. I mean, and it was just sort of a slugfest of sorts. Um, I mean, it was 10 to three at halftime. Um, It was 17 to six at the end of the third quarter. And it was I mean, NC State's defense put up a, a really spirited effort, I felt like. Um, there were a couple drives that Syracuse got into scoring territory, and NC State either forced a field goal or even created a turnover. Um, these two teams combined for five possessions in the second half of this game. Um, yeah. I mean, it was just – it was it was slow. It was – I don't know, man. This was – it was not like a um, – if, if you thought that, like – Tennessee Alabama was like the perfect football game on Saturday, 52, 49, you know, a hundred plus points, like all these yards, everything. If you thought that was like the way that football should be played, you would have hated this game. Like this was, I mean, Syracuse did rack up almost 400 yards of offense, but had 24 points to show for it. Um, I don't know. It was. I thought both defenses played really, really well. Um, very spirited effort. NC State's defense did their absolute damnedest to keep NC State in the game. Um, you're yes, correct. I, the Sean I, I Tucker so. touchdown run late. Uh, that that touchdown run late really was kind of the backbreaker because at that point it was only an eight point game. It was 17 to nine. Um, Syracuse gets the ball back with about six minutes left, and it's like if NC State can can get a stop, get the ball back, they 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 have a chance to go in and score and tie the game and send it to overtime. Um, but instead, Syracuse scores a touchdown, it's 24-9, to and then NC State goes down and uh, basically runs out the rest of the clock, the final 220, uh, they get down into field goal range, but that wasn't good enough. So, you're correct, I mean, Jack Chambers is more of a runner than a passer, it's pretty clear. Um, he, he did go 18 of 30, but not really a whole lot of daring, um, deep throws. Not that that was something that Devin Leary was having a lot of success with either, And that, to me, speaks a little bit more to kind of some receiver concerns, I think. You know, nobody to really take the top off the defense. Yep. We did have an MJ Morris sighting for the Wolfpack. Uh, There was a drive that he came in and played a few – you know, had a few plays, basically. But I think it was like a three and out in the second quarter. Um, He's a guy that, again, I I think if – if Devin Leary were having more success and you needed somebody who could throw the ball a little bit better, you you might give MJ Morris more of a look down the stretch here and obviously this is probably about the best defense that they'll play uh, moving forward, but um, MJ Morris might be a guy you'd go to, but I think it's if it is really a thing where like you're just not going to have guys that are going to be able to get a lot of separation and make downfield plays happen, then forget it. Don't don't mess with, you know, a, a true freshman in Morris and, uh, you just go with the, the more veteran guy in chambers and, and see what that, what that looks like, I guess, moving forward. Uh, but it does feel like, I mean, injury's starting to pile up. We didn't have any Demi Sumo-Karangbe. I, I'm confident I said that wrong. Um, he did not play in this game for NC State. He didn't have a It just seems like a, this is going to turn into a bit of a loss. <laughs> I was, was going to say, you didn't, you didn't have a what? <laughs> Demi <laughs> Sumo-Karangbe. I think I said that right. Um. DSG, no DSK, DSK. Um, once again, it is late and anyways, um, yeah, we didn't have him in this game. No Devin Leary, obviously. Um, it just seems like injuries are piling up for NC state and you know, for a year that you really thought this might be the year that you get over the top. It is not looking that way. This is, this is not going in a way that makes you think like, oh yeah, this is our year. It, It is not. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, Garrett Schrader, Sean Tucker, Combined 30 carries for 179 yards and a touchdown. This is, as you mentioned, Sean Tucker's best day of the year running the ball. Gadston, um, Gadsden, uh, eight catches for 141 and two scores. He was a, a huge deal for Syracuse here. Um, he, he made big plays in the passing game all day. The uh, Tucker Schrader index, those guys between uh, t- Sean Tucker runs, Garrett Schrader runs, and Sean Tucker catches – combined to make up over 73% of the plays for Syracuse that did not end up in a an incomplete pass. So, once again, only really two guys you got to defend, but honestly, Aronde Gadsden, maybe defend him too because that guy uh, made NC State pay on a couple of occasions. Ralph Rooster from
0: the Associated Press said <clears throat> that Aronde Gadsden is, you know, not an All-American. He's not an All-ACC player probably. And with all that being said, like, he's probably one of the most important players for Syracuse because at times it feels like he's the only receiver on the field. Yep, that sounds accurate to me mm-hmm. when I watch Syracuse play right now. It's still like a very Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker heavy offense, but when he's when Schrader's throwing to an actual receiver, it's basically Gadsden or nobody, right? Or Gadsden or Sean Tucker, right? That, that's it. But mm-hmm. a true wide receiver, it's Gadsden or bust. I mean, that's kind of where they're at. In the receiving core right now.
1: If you add up, if you add up all of the carries and all of the catches made by everyone else on the Syracuse roster, not named Garrett Schrader, Sean Tucker, or Rondé Gadsden, do you know how many combined carries and catches everyone else on the roster had, Mike, in this game? It's going to be less than five. It would be four. You are correct. There were four plays where the ball went to and got to somebody other than those three guys. It, it is wild to me. Just continues to be wild. I will say uh, our favorite AP reporter, uh, one Sean Tucker, Saturday we won Syracuse 24, NC State 9. I'm pleased with the outcome of the game and how our fans rocked the dome. 6-0, and but we're not done. I'm pleased with my performance, but there's more I can do. The grind never stops, nor will number 34. 14 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown, four receptions for 14 yards. Please. Well done, it Sean is. Tucker. Good reporting. Well done. Appreciate it. Shot a Producer like that, Scott. Right? Is that good? Yes, I did. I did. Well done. <laughs> that was a Producer Scott idea, and it was a brilliant one. Well done. All right. Um, I think that's all I got here. I, Syracuse really, I, I think, a, a very good defense. An offense that is like good enough, we'll say. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out Syracuse's offense. I, you can tell these these like weekly recaps turn into like therapy sessions for me, as I'm just like trying to talk through my feelings about Syracuse's offense. I can't figure it out. It seems like it shouldn't work, but it does. Like it's good enough. I can't figure it out, Mike. It's this. This like this is a thing that I like get distracted at work thinking about trying to figure out why does Syracuse's offense work. It's ridiculous. It's basically just shower thoughts. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, what's going on with Yeah, Syracuse's that whole meme offense. of like you know, the the man and woman laying in bed and the woman's like, "I bet he's thinking about other women." And I'm just like, "Why does Syracuse's offense work?" That's that's pretty <laughs> much what's going on. Yeah. There. Yeah, why can't anybody stop, stop it? <laughs> it's, it's It's not good, but I guess it's good enough. I guess it's good enough. Story of my life. All right, uh, Syracuse twenty four, NC State nine. Anything else, Mike? Nope. <laughs> All right, we will move on. Number four, Clemson thirty four, Florida State twenty eight. Um, we we were talking about this a little bit on Saturday, and and I I think if if the only thing you know about this game is the final score, it was not this close. Um, it was not. It was 24-14 to 14 at halftime, but even then it wasn't that close. Um, Syracuse, Syracuse Clemson, the other orange team, um, they they were pretty much in control of this game following probably the first drive of the game by Florida State. They marched it down on, on the script, nine plays, 75 yards, touchdown. After that, I, I mean, I guess they did take a 14-7 to 7 lead at one point, but it just felt like Clemson, especially in the middle of this game, that middle eight territory, Clemson went 17 nothing, I think, in that time frame, and that was really a huge difference here. Clemson looking, looking good, looking complete, maybe not as dangerous as they once were and as dominant and a team that I think could really hang with an uh, Ohio State or an Alabama. But they look really good, and I'm honestly not sure who's left on their schedule that's going to really give them a, a, a game in terms of possibly beating them. I, I think Clemson is looking playoff good right now. Yeah, they're, they're playoff good, uh,
0: for sure. And the thing is, like if Clemson slips up, they're probably not going to the playoff because I'm not sure their schedule is strong enough the rest of the way. Um, they have Notre Dame right. that was supposed to be like this quality non-conference opponent. Notre Dame just lost to Stanford. They have now lost to two FBS teams this year who literally have not beaten any other FBS teams other than Notre Dame. <laughs> Marshall <laughs> beat Notre Dame in Week 2, and they don't have an FBS win since. And then, unfortunately, for Notre Dame. And then Stanford. In the Sun who Belt. Beat, yes. Yes, and they're in the Sun Belt. Um, and then there's there's Stanford, who, you know, in most years, the Pac-12 plays like the Sun Belt, but not this year. Uh, Stanford goes into South Bend last night and beats Notre Dame. And Stanford also does not have another FBS one this year. So that's not a great look for Notre Dame. Clemson is going to roll through the rest of their schedule. They're going to roll through it. Um, I look at, this game in particular, it's like a three-act play, right? I thought Florida State played well early here. I I was particularly impressed with Florida State's offensive line. I thought they held up pretty well in the first, I don't know, let's say 20 to 25 minutes of game time, right? I I did feel like, you know, Florida State kind of was able to, you know, keep Clemson's pass rush at bay. I thought Jordan Travis got comfortable early in the game. I thought Florida State was running the ball okay early in the game. And then, the middle eight happened, right? So, last four minutes mm-hmm. of the first half, first four minutes of the second half, Clemson kicked a field goal with just under two minutes to go uh, in, the, in the first half, right? They kicked a field goal to make it 17 to 14. That was Clemson's first lead of the game, right? After Clemson and I takes the, they lead got the there, ball back after that. Well, Miles Murphy, strip sack of Jordan Travis They get the ball back. Uh, a few plays later, DJ Uyangalole, touchdown run, right? Okay, so now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it goes from 14-14 to 24-14 going into halftime. Clemson gets the ball to start the second half. Florida State kicks off. Will Shipley returns at 69 yards. Very nice return. And then on the very next play, DJ Uyankole hits uh, Allen on a 31-yard touchdown pass. Again, utilizing the tight ends is something that Clemson is doing quite well over the last month or so. Um, Mm -hmm. That was the ball game. Clemson went from it went from fourteen fourteen to thirty-one fourteen. And that that was it. That was the game, right? And Florida State had a nice little late comeback where they scored a couple times. And, you know, Dabo after the game wasn't really thrilled with, you know, how Clemson closed in the last like five or six minutes. And Dabo specifically referenced on the field in the postgame, um, post game interview with ABC. He just said, you know, fans are leaving the stadium. Meanwhile, Florida State's still playing, and that's a testament to Mike Norvell. Again, this is not an indictment of Florida State. A couple things went their way, uh, went poorly there. They they didn't cover well on a kick return coming out of halftime. They had the strip sack fumble um, late in the first half. So it's really just a couple plays that you know kind of show how teams like Clemson gain separation from teams like Florida State, right? And I do think that Florida State, even mm-hmm. though they're kind of in a rough stretch right now, is three consecutive losses um, against you know a Wake Forest team that. I thought, really just played better than Florida State the entire game. NC State, which I think Florida State should have won, and then this game, which I wasn't thinking Florida State would win. You know, it's a tough stretch, but I think Mike Norvell still has things going in the right direction. The fact that Dabo, after the game, came out and said that, you know, the, the kids are playing hard for Norvell, and they don't quit, and it just looks like a different team with how they're playing, mm-hmm. and Dabo totally acknowledged that Florida State's heading in a really good direction, and I think you and I are kind of in agreement even though they've hit a little bit of a rough patch on their season here the last three games
1: I mean they hit a rough patch with losses a 10-point loss to Wake Forest a two-point loss to NC State and now a six-point loss to Clemson and, and like you mentioned I mean they kept playing they they were down right. 20 points you know with 11 minutes left or whatever and they go down and score touchdowns in their final two drives and make it competitive and, and give themselves a chance to, you know to get an onside kick and do something there at the very end you know it's um, I, I think that's a pretty big improvement, and you look at the competition, I mean the really disappointing thing honestly, is that they lost that NC State game because that was a game yeah. that they had in hand. They and not only they they had a lead for a while, but then even after they had the lead, it was like you had the ball in field goal range with a chance to win the game and you turned it over. Like, right there were missed opportunities there that you know they could be five and two right now. and I, but I, I agree that they are improved. And they're going to win a lot more games this year. Um, they will be favored yeah. in almost every game they have left, I would imagine. Um, they they have Georgia Tech at home in two weeks, and then at Miami, at Syracuse, home against Louisiana, home against Florida. The trip to Syracuse is the one that maybe they're not favored in. Right. I think they'll be favored against Florida in Tallahassee. I mean, and, and yeah. I'll probably pick them to beat both Miami and Florida. Like, I think this Florida State team is really improved and, and is is getting better. Even if the results aren't showing it on the scoreboard, you just got to realize who they're playing against.
0: Yeah. And I'm not sure there's a game the rest of the year where I will not be picking Florida State. Like I think, mm-hmm. you know, when I look at the rest of their schedule, like I think Florida State is at least on par or better than every single team the rest of the way on the schedule. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, they'll be favored in a lot of those games, and we'll kind of see how it shakes out, but I think Florida State's heading in a good direction. This feels like an 8-4 and four type football team. We've been saying that for about a month now. It still feels that way, even with the last three games going the way that
1: they have. Yeah, I mean, if you told me they went 4-1 over their final five games, I'd believe you. Oh, yeah, 100%. So I will say, Florida State, the one thing that they do kind of lack, I, I think, at a number of positions is depth they're a team that it's like their starters are all very good, but it's still a situation where like Jared verse goes out and the next two drives that he's out. That's like all the announced crew can talk about is, well, Jared verse still on the sidelines. And like, it's, it's things like this where it's not like, well, now look who's replacing him and who's making plays. It's oh crap. There's a hole there because Jared verse is out. Like, right. I, I think that's, that's still happening a little bit with Florida state, but that just takes time to, to cover up and, and to recruit over, I think. But, um, but for the most part, I think they're they're you know staying reasonably healthy. There have definitely been some injuries here or there that have impacted them. But um, as a reasonably healthy team, they will uh, they will continue to to play well. I think down the stretch here. So um, Clemson, as mentioned, I mean they are I think they are good enough to beat everyone on their schedule. They are good enough to win the ACC for sure. I don't know how well it will hold up if and when they make the playoff. But if they are thirteen and zero in ACC championship, uh, ACC champions, they will make the playoff. That is yep. pretty much a, a, a for sure thing at this point, especially with the logo on the helmet that doesn't hurt. Um, but I mean, th- th- they are good and they are better than I kind of expected them to be. I think the the offense continues to improve little by little, week over week. Um, DJU still maybe not the dynamic. Um, just incredible player that we saw from Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. And they're not lighting up scoreboards quite the same way that Clemson offenses of old did, but um, they are effective and they're efficient and him using his legs really adds an extra element to the offense that they didn't have last year. And, uh, you know, we've, we've said some of this before. I I don't know what else to say. Um, Probably still some, some deficiencies to some degree in the Clemson receiving core, Although not as problematic right now as it was last year, especially. They're coming around Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, And again, like,
0: DJ's utilizing the tight ends well, too. I mean, that's really been dating back to the Wake Forest game. Um, It feels like they're really starting to get more out of both the receiving core, the tight ends, and, you know, this, this running game with Will Shipley, like, that was a will shipley game last night, right? Where they were just going to mm-hmm. give him the ball, you know, 15 or so, uh, let's see. How many how many rushes did he have last night? They had they gave him the ball 20 times. 20 for 121. I mean, they were perfectly content with giving them the ball having him run right down Florida State's throat and just have, you know, see if the Seminoles could stop him, right? And Florida State has Clemson has gone from not Florida State Clemson has gone from a team that lights up scoreboards, like you said, to now playing smash mouth complimentary football, the way that Alabama used to play under Saban, right? Where Mm -hmm. they're perfectly content with just running the ball at you like 30, 35 times. And then having their defense just kind of sit, sit over on the sideline, rest up and then come at you on the other side, right? They're playing really good complimentary football right now. And I don't, There are certain matchups in a college football playoff that I don't think would go particularly well for Clemson, namely like playing Tennessee, for example, or playing Ohio State that, you know, I think at full strength, Ohio State can hang 50 on you, right? If Jackson Smith Mm -hmm. and Jigba's healthy and Travion Henderson's healthy and, you know, you have C.J. Stroud be C.J. Stroud, like... Oh they with, with Ohio a state of or
1: Tennessee you you thought Wake Forest receivers made Clemson's secondary look bad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like that yeah. would be uh, just a hilarity. Like Yeah, and to Clemson's hilarity. credit. Good job, Joey. Good and, words.
0: Yeah, and and to to Clemson's credit, like the secondary has played better the last few weeks, but they also haven't played like a receiving hmm. core quite like Wake Forest since then either, right? So That's a phrase. That's the other that's the other side of It's a phrase but it's accurate. Um Mhm. But, uh, I mean, but there are other matchups where like you know, if Clemson gets into a game with Georgia, I feel a little bit better this year about Clemson going into that game than I would have a year ago, right so and that's not to say did I did play Georgia would, a year ago well, and that's not to say like I would feel comfortable with Clemson necessarily beating Georgia, but I think that Clemson is better suited to kind of Get in the mud now and and play that type of game mm-hmm. after kind of that gap year they had last year. This Clemson team's just improved. Like they're improved. They're better offensively. Mm-hmm. They're 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 every bit as good defensively. I and you know what I think D- Dabo's kind of the coaching staff thing is was maybe a bit overblown. I mean, maybe a bit. I mean, I I think everybody went full panic. I think people went full panic on Elliott and and Venables leaving, which I get, but like, mm -hmm. offense looks better with no Tony Elliott. And defense, I think, you know, there were some times in the Wake Forest game in particular where you and I were texting and we were like, man, I think they missed Brent Venables here, but Mm -hmm. they've kind of weathered the storm a little bit and they seem to be playing a bit better so i i don't know i think jury's still out on that a little bit but i do think that we probably overestimated that a tad as well
1: i think that's honestly where you're going to see it is in a playoff type of situation is i i do think that this staff is capable of getting out coached in a way that they were not with Brent Venables and I mean, there were, you, you can cherry pick a time or two, you know, I think there was an Ohio state game from maybe the COVID year where they just boat <laughs> raced Clemson mm, and it's like, yeah, I mean, you good. got outcoached, um, all the, all the like quick sugar huddle stuff formation to the boundary, like blah, blah, blah. Like some of these things that you heard, like, yeah, they got outcoached in that game. But I mean, if they were getting outcoached more than like once a year, something was, was crazy. I think this staff is still capable of getting out coached It's just that there's not a whole lot of anybody that's capable of out coaching them and out talenting them right. um, I think they're they're doing fine with mediocre coaching right now, and then it's the problem is going to be when you get into a playoff situation where you get equally or more talented rosters and as good or better coaches that's where you're just gonna you're not gonna really have a chance and so I'm not like fully ready to just walk back my take that uh that failing to hire from the outside is uh, is not a good thing and is going to kind of make Clemson a little more mortal. I, I think I do think that's going to have some issues, and I think that's also part of the reason that you're not seeing Clemson's offense totally light up scoreboards. Is I don't think that the coaching is really truly brilliant there. It's it's fine, and, and you know the play calling and the schemes. It's it's fine, and you have better players than most everyone you're playing at this point in the year. So great. You're I, going to win I, a number of games, and you're going to get to the playoff, and then you're just going to get stepped on. I I'm, I'm mostly I mostly agree, although I,
0: I do think the offense is better this year, now that Tony Elliott's gone. So, so Hi, Virginia fans. And, I, and it's not... <laughs> by God.
1: Virginia's awesome. Oh, wait, what was that? Sorry. <gasps> um, oh, <sorry>. oh. God. <laughs> Miss again.
0: My secret. M O U S E Yeah. Um yeah, what what I was saying is that uh things are looking a little bit better offensively for Clemson. I know it's not like this is college football and it's not black and white, like where oh, this guy left, so all of a sudden the offense is better, and that's gotta be the reason why. Like probably not entirely the case, but like Tony Elliott. We talked about this last week. Tony Elliott showed up at UVA. and Now Brandon Armstrong's worse. So, what gives, right? Noticeably. Noticeably. And yep. Tony Elliott leaves Clemson and DJ DJU's now better? Mm hmm. I mean, hmm. Huh. Hmm. And Dabo said, that? I mean, D- Dabo has said, like, They've been better around DJ this year, and I I totally agree. Like I, <laughs> they've been a lot better. Like they're running the ball a lot better. Shipley's been really good. Um, not, not that he was bad last year, but he's been a lot better this year. Offensive line mm-hmm. starting to play a little bit better. Receiving core starting to play a bit better around DJ. So I mean, they they are certainly playing better around him. But it it does look different than a year ago, and they're getting to they're getting to a point now too where they're like getting more comfortable in the vertical passing game with DJ like he made a heck of a throw last night he kind of stepped out of a stepped out of a sack and had like a guy wrapped around his legs almost and he just you know it was what a 70 yard touchdown pass he threw or whatever it was i mean he's mm-hmm. uh, that was a big time throw so he's pretty good
1: man from a physical standpoint and un- unreal ability to make some of those throws like totally off balance and everything it's crazy
0: one of the top quarterbacks in the country in big time throw rate and about once once or twice a game you see him make like an unreal throw where he's mm-hmm. just like they look like they have him down and a guy breaks loose in the secondary and DJ sees it and like a flick at the wrist that ball's going like on a rope like 40 or 50 yards and we did not see that last year we saw it in the covid year when he replaced Trevor Lawrence in South Bend we saw that we're starting to see it now a bit more like once or twice a game where you're like man there aren't many quarterbacks in the country who can make
1: that throw yep yep clemson's good again for sure Um, they are certainly approaching the the clemson standard i would say so you know jury's out on on where that takes them but I, i think at this point it's fair to expect that they will be a playoff team again come you know i guess december when we find out what that final four is They were a full step removed from, well, conservatively speaking, right?
0: They were a full step removed from like national champion elite team status a year ago. And now I think they're like half a step removed where like they're really Mm -hmm. good. They'll make the playoff. But Clemson's almost in like the Notre Dame playoff mold where they're like going to beat the hell out of everybody on their schedule. Clearly, they're a really good team. But then when they start playing like Bama ohio state tennessee georgia like those types of teams it's like are we sure they can match up like those are the that's kind yeah. of the question i think where we have with clemson this year so i think they're kind of a half step removed from where they've been but definitely in a better spot than they were a year ago
1: yep absolutely that's all i got here mike anything else we had to go long on this game because
0: there's more to get to that i don't Really want to discuss it too much detail in one game in particular. <laughs> trying anyway. to put it
1: off. Trying to put yes. it off. You can't get away from it, Mike. It's coming. Number four God. Clemson 34, Florida State 28. Um, we do have two more games to discuss. Before we do that, two things real quick. Number one, everybody here has homework. You had homework. A few people have done their homework, and I really appreciate it. Um, if you have not, your homework is to go find Basketball Conference on YouTube and hit the subscribe button. We are approaching 100 subscribers, at which point we will have a dedicated URL to give to you to go find us at. If you have not done it, please do it. Um, Use your your parents' accounts, use your kids' accounts, whatever you got to do. Get us to 100 subscribers, and uh, that's our our big target, our big goal for this season. Um, Maybe if we do it by the end of the season, Mike, we'll do something kind of crazy on a live stream or something like that. But we are currently, as you listen to this... (laughs) What what are you signing me up for? Is that... I mean... Mike, it's it's for the content. Content never sleeps, and neither do we. I, um, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I just don't <laughs> want to end up on like I want to end up on like page six of some blacklisted site. Yeah. You know? So anyway, continue. For the second time, at least. Anyways, um, go find <laughs> us on YouTube, Basketball Conference, and hit that subscribe button. And uh, we will we'll come up with something that we do if y'all can get us to a hundred subscribers and get us a dedicated URL to send you to. That's number one. Number two is we need to remind you about Section103.com. It is the Internet's premier place to find all sorts of wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. I'm wearing mine right now. Um, Did I put it on for the live stream? Yes, I did. But is it super comfortable, and do I love wearing it? Yes, I do. Um, And yes, it is. Um, Georgia Tech was on a bye week this week, but they are playing this Thursday night. We will come back and preview week eight soon. But if you need something to wear to the game, go to Section103.com and use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. They have all sorts of wonderful apparel, T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, um, everything that you need to go support Georgia Tech. It is very comfortable. It is high quality. It is great looking. They've got performance wear. They've got proper just you know, cotton, normal T-shirts, uh, something for men, women, children, something for the whole family. So go check it out. They've got the official Tech Gold. They've got all the official word marks, everything. It is wonderful. I love mine. You will love yours. Mike even loves his. So I do. go check that out at section103.com. Yeah. Bobby Dodd Stadium, everyone's happy place here. That's that's the nice thing. Uh, once again, use promo code GOACC at, at section one hundred three com to get ten percent off your first order on all sorts of wonderful performance wear and, and uh, other other apparel to support Georgia Tech. Go do that. Yep. Mike, North Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh no, I have nothing to so
1: Continue. Good. North Carolina 38, Duke 35. Uh, This game was wild. It was very back and forth. Um, I think both teams kind of seized control in different moments and then gave it back up in others. um, Very, very back and forth. A really good rivalry game. Ultimately, the victory bell comes out painted uh, powder blue, Carolina blue. What's the proper term there? I don't really know. Um, This was a lot of fun. I I hope you got a chance to watch it, Mike. I did. I did. I did. It was one of several
0: late games. Well, 8 o'clock start. It's late for me. I have a kid now. Um, It was one of the several late games I was paying some particular attention to. A lot of points, Joey. Like, a lot of points. And Duke Mm -hmm. was in a position to win this game. They have to be. You and I were texting about this with Scott. They have to be absolutely sick that they weren't able to close this game out. Absolutely sick. And you give Carolina life late. Against that, you know, with that offense, that's that's tough, right? And Drake yep. may ultimately leads a touchdown drive, and you know, Carolina wins that game. Like you can't just continuously give that offense opportunities, and that was that was the biggest thing. I that's thought right. Duke's defense, Duke's defense didn't hold up particularly well, um, because I don't think Duke's defense is really any good. But offensively, I thought they played well enough to make Carolina look bad, which you only need to be like halfway competent to make Carolina's defense look bad, right? And I thought Duke Mm -hmm. made Carolina's defense look terrible. But the biggest takeaway for me, Joey, is that Carolina's in the driver's seat in the Coastal, right? Like, I think they're the team... Well, technically, Mm -hmm. excuse me, your Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets technically are the driver's seat in the Coastal. (laughs) They control control
1: their own destiny. Yeah. Okay, tough they control fair, their own yes. destiny.
0: Yes, they, they control their own destiny. But uh, Carolina, I think, is in the driver's seat. Like They're going to outscore pretty much everybody they play the rest of the way in conference play, and yep. defensively, they're awful. They are awful defensively. Uh, but offensively, there aren't really many teams left that can score with them. And because of that, I, I think they're kind of going to be a tough out in the
1: Coastal rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Carolina's defense... I, I, I tweeted this out at one point in the second half. Is They're awful. I hope those guys go in after the game every week to watch film to see, you know, what did they do right, what did they do wrong. And their film from the game is just set to Yakity sacks on repeat. And if you're hearing that and you're like, what's yakity sacks I don't know that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yakity sacks Sounds something like this. Yeah, so I hope this is the music that uh, UNC's defense watches their highlights to because, my goodness, the angles the technique, the tackling, I mean, everything is just, it is hilariously bad at times, um, and I say at times, it's pretty much all the time, um, pretty ridiculous, so, I mean, they, they let Riley Leonard, there was a
0: they, they let Riley Leonard rush for 130 yards in this game,
1: yeah, on 14 carries, uh, and yeah. that's including a sack, so, yeah, Riley Leonard, Riley Leonard, by the way, made a couple of just enormous throws in this game, a few, like, just gorgeous, yeah. impressive throws, that guy can play, man, he's good.
0: Yeah, I think your your exact text was uh, he can go. That's correct. Yeah,
1: that guy can go. Yeah, not like oh he can go, he can get out of here. It's more like a oh that guy can go. Yeah, so he can play. important uh, important to get the yeah the uh, the tone on that. I will say the the really critical moment in this game. Um, really was, I, I think most of the fourth quarter. Honestly, UNC gets the ball down thirty five thirty one, and at this point, this is probably where I should uh, admit to the people that I had a ticket on UNC to score, or I guess UNC team total over thirty seven and a half. So I need a touchdown. I had and uh, I had they game have total messed over. around on offense.
0: Yeah, okay, I had yeah. game total over. So UNC important. was
1: up thirty one twenty one after they scored a touchdown with four minutes left in the third quarter. From there, they went four plays, negative four yards, missed field goal when they took over on a uh, very short field. They went three and out after that. And then they had a drive. They were moving the ball. They got into field goal range. And Drake May like tried to throw a pass and got interrupted in a way that I thought he was going to get a, uh, a Brady-Tuck rule, like arm moving forward. It's an incomplete pass. But they went back and reviewed it and decided it was a fumble, so they lost that. So Duke gets the ball at their own 38-yard line with seven and a half minutes left and proceeds to execute just an impressive four-minute drive that took up a full five minutes. I'll check the math on that later. Um, they work it all the way down, and they've got third and two on the North Carolina 11. Uh, there is a run up the middle by Jordan Waters. They, they convert easily. It's called back for an illegal shift. So now it's 3rd and 7 from the 16. They Riley Leonard throws a gorgeous touchdown pass to Jalen Calhoun. It's a beautiful catch, and, and Duke's going to win the game. Called back. I believe it was like hands to the face. Some sort of – oh, no, it was a chop block. It was a chop block was what it was on the play. So that gets called back. So now it's 3rd and 22 from the 31, and uh, they basically kind of ran a little QB draw, set up for a field goal, and then they missed it. And it was like you had multiple chances basically to salt the game away – and then you missed the field goal that would have at least put you up seven points. And wouldn't you know it, Mike, North Carolina gets the ball back with a little over two minutes left. Nine plays, 74 yards, and a touchdown, including a, a, the game-winning touchdown there with about 16 seconds left, where Antoine Green um, almost certainly didn't step out of bounds, but he might have. Man, he that well heel. He might have stepped out of bounds before <laughs> catching the ball. That heel was out of bounds. But... yeah. It, I mean it, it wasn't we, it wasn't obvious enough to overturn it on review but man it sure looked like he did
0: It was obvious enough to me but hey I was holding a game total over and you were holding a Carolina team total over so by all indications mm-hmm. I mean he was in bounce by our by I our I think I texted the group fly.
1: praise the ACC refs which if you need to know how bad things were getting how dire the situation was that's uh, that's where we were at
0: yeah, I feel like if you are asking for ACC refs to bail you out, it's we're in a dire, dire situation.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, really good, good win for North Carolina. Duke. I mean, that's a a tough loss where they they played well. They had a chance to win. I, I really thought Carolina was going to run away with it a little bit because, like I mentioned, I mean, they scored that touchdown late in the third, and they were up ten points. And the way that they were rolling, this is the thing I need to I need to figure out about Carolina's offense. Is it feels like they're it's like a perfect duality, Mike. And what I mean is that they're either like driving the length of the field and scoring touchdowns, or they are like going three and out. Right. And there's very there's you know there's almost no drives where it's like oh yeah they picked up a couple first downs and then they punted. No, it's like either right. they went out there looked like they had no idea what they were doing and and immediately punted, or they just like shred the defense. They got two first downs, just rolled all the way to the end zone, and. It's kind of bizarre to watch that way where you're like, oh, that's a great offense, and then they have like three straight drives where they get a grand total of like four yards. And it's like, wait, where did that go? What happened? Right. Yeah. It's an up and down watching experience. (laughs) It's an experience, that's for sure. Yeah. Josh Downs was huge in this game, by the way, for North Carolina. Nine catches for 126 yards. Really good. And at the end on Carolina's final scoring drive, man, he was,
0: he made a catch along the sideline, a really nice play along the sideline, right? Makes a catch, gets out of bounds. And then he is in a screaming match with like two Duke defenders to the point where Wes Durham, who was calling the game on ACC Network, was in, and uh, our, our friend Roddy Jones, friend of the podcast, Roddy Jones, they were like, you know what? Yeah. Uh, Josh Downs might want to uh, get off the field here or like get back to the huddle before he costs his team. Because I thought for sure they were going to call a penalty on Josh Downs. Now, Carolina's coaches saw it, and they pulled him off the field for that play. Um, Like the very next play, which was smart to get him off the field. But Downs made a great play on the sideline, and then I thought for sure he was going to get flagged for taunting or a personal foul for unsportsmanlike conduct. I mean, he was screaming at two UNC defenders, and I was like, man, mm-hmm. this is not... Or, I'm sorry, two Duke defenders. I was like, man, this is not what you need here, going down the stretch trying to win a football game.
1: Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in a rivalry game, I mean, there's a lot of emotions at play. It's It's, you know, a little bit heated. So, like, you understand how people can let the moment get the best of them a little bit, but yeah, that was, a, that was a dangerous spot to be uh jawing off and, and trying to get your, your verbal shots. in. You, you're, you're always walking the line of uh, maybe getting 15 yards and costing your team, something pretty important. So that's up there, but yeah, I, I mean, good win for North Carolina. Duke was, was good. And, and I think they continue to play well. Like, you know, they lost by eight to Kansas. They lost by three to Georgia tech. And now they lose by three to North Carolina. Like, even as a four and three team, like they are a lot more competitive than I think we thought they would be. I think we thought they would be. Yep. Words are going really well here. Um, that defense plays well for Mike Elko too. Um, the, the coaching upgrade there on defense is, is visible, and I think they're going to be just fine going forward. I think they're going to make a bowl. They're like I, they might only go like six and six. I, I look at who they got left at Miami, at Boston College, home against Virginia Tech, at Pittsburgh, home against Wake Forest. I think they'll get at least two wins there. Maybe three. I mean, like, there's a couple wins. Yeah, there's a couple wins there. They'll they'll make a bowl game, and that'll be a really impressive accomplishment there in year one under Mike Elko.
0: Yeah, I think you said uh, Duke's defense plays well. I mean, eye of the beholder, they're a lot better than they had been. Like, a lot mm-hmm. better than they had been. The the one thing I'll say, too, is like, Duke's been really good, and Elko deserves a ton of credit, and Riley Leonard's been really good. But my biggest thing is, like, this is more of an indictment for me on, like, North Carolina. I get it's a rivalry game, but they're in a freaking hell game against a first-year head coach in Elko against a team that's been down bad for a while in Duke. And you need a last-minute drive there at the end to go and win the game. Like, And this is, like a Mac Brown recruited team a really really good roster because nobody's disputing the quality of the roster a really really good roster and you're going back and forth with that Duke team that's nowhere near like the the caliber of of team that they're going to be in the next three or four years Carolina's Mm -hmm. still got some issues Joey like they can score with Mm -hmm. anybody but they still got some serious serious issues like that's my overall takeaway from this game
1: yeah, I mean, Carolina is 6-1, and, and three of those wins over App State, Miami, and Duke are by a grand total of eight points. Yeah. So 6-1 and one is one thing, but it's not like they're totally dominating these games and uh, really convincingly, repeatably winning them in a number of cases. So I don't know. I, I think there's an argument to be made that things should be better in year three under Mac Brown, especially with the way that they've recruited. And we can go around and around, and we've talked about this for years where – this offense is really effective, and they still have not yet fully figured out the defense thing. And I'm starting to wonder at this point, will they? And is that good enough? But kind of a weird conversation to have when they're 6-1 and, one and um, you know, leading the Coastal Division and ranked and, and, and in really good shape, honestly. Yeah, worst one-loss game in the country. I, at this point in the season, I'll take it, <laughs> if it's me. It's,
0: uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's kind of becoming a shtick. Like with them and with Syracuse, and Syracuse being the the worst yeah. undefeated team left now officially, uh, but it's kind of shit, kind of not,
1: <laughs> kind of. Carolina thirty eight, Duke thirty five. Mike, we can't put this off any longer. Miami twenty, Virginia Tech
0: fourteen. Hokies covered my lock <laughs> hit. I just how it I drew did. it up, by the way. Just how I drew it up. Big shout out to Miami for making that
1: possible in the fourth quarter.
0: Miami's Miami's bad. Like I, I'll hear any and all arguments of Miami like being a bottom four or five team in the ACC. They're bad. They're bad. Ooh. Not spicy either. Like, hmm. can they we don't name look good five? I mean, they don't look good. Can we name five worst teams in Miami right now? The ACC, definitively. Five worse teams, definitively than Miami. Like absolutely, Man, without do a this, doubt, absolutely without a doubt, worse than Miami. Name five.
1: BC. Uh, I think Virginia and Virginia Tech are definitively worse. Boston BC, College, is probably Virginia, fair. Virginia Tech. I'm not. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens here in a few weeks when Miami plays Georgia Tech, but. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm still worried that we're over over inflating Georgia Tech on a, you know some vibes coming off of this you know first couple of games with Brent Key, and then I mean Louisville has not looked good for most of this season, so there's that as well. Um, but point taken is that Miami is average at best in the ACC, and probably not even that. They're in the conversation of being in like the below average category.
0: They're in that conversation defensively. Mm-hmm. Defensively, they are some ass cheeks. Can I say that on a live stream? <laughs> I'm saying it. Um, they are they are some ass yeah. cheeks defensively and offensively. And look if if Virginia Tech had any offense whatsoever, any offense whatsoever, we talked about this against Carolina too. Literally any sort of offense, they, Tech could have beaten Carolina. And they absolutely and I, I know the Carolina score was like forty one seventeen or whatever it was. They could have beaten Carolina and they could have most certainly won this game on Saturday in Blacksburg. A thousand percent. Yep. Like this they is winnable. have absolutely this this was this was winnable. They fell behind against Carolina, offense never got going, and then, you know, when Carolina plays from ahead with all those weapons, it's it's a long afternoon. But this game was absolutely, absolutely winnable. And <sighs> tech couldn't run the ball yeah. and they certainly can't throw it and they're just a bad offense yeah. and then like when they start making plays late in the game it's like okay like you're seeing you're seeing some signs offensively like I will say that like it's a bad offense right but you're starting to see some signs like some plays here or there where you're like okay I see what they're trying to do right schematically and you're seeing some guys like step up and make a play here make a play there there's no consistency though. There's a penalty where you shoot yourself mm-hmm. in the foot. There's a turnover, like Daquan Wright's turnover early in the game, like that fumble hurt because Miami went down and scored right after that, right? Like there there's just some stuff that tech is doing, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that's really putting him behind the eight ball. And then they gotta dig themselves out of the hole time and time again, and they're not good enough to overcome a two score deficit or like even like a seven or an eight point deficit. They're not good enough to overcome that right now. They're not good enough to overcome a bunch of penalties. They're not good enough to overcome like a missed assignment defensively, you know, where a guy gets yeah. behind the defense and makes a big play. And then you come back and like you readjust, but now your offense can't go score. Like they, they don't, they're not good enough as a roster right now to overcome the mistakes they're making. That's been the case all year. And right. there's some inconsistency. They were terrible in the first half. Really, really, really poor on on both sides of the ball in the first half. Um, Second half, I thought, played a lot better. I thought the defense certainly played better, and I thought the offense, you know, there were some signs there in the second half. But this is just not a team that's good enough to kind of overcome the mistakes that they're making where they're shooting themselves in the foot like they are. Um, They're just putting themselves in really bad spots, and they're just not very good. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Well, they're not. And then, I mean, I just... We can talk about Miami's offense here for a second, too, because...
0: This is the bigger conversation, Joey. This is a bigger conversation because Miami is like... Miami's a team to talk about because they were like real expectations with Miami coming into this year, right?
1: Yeah. Well, and all that money that you paid to buy out Manny Diaz and you pulled this coup out of Oregon to bring in Mario Cristobal and... Uh, you got the new AD, and we've got, you know, all sorts of NIL buku bucks and blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, Miami on their first four possessions of the game scored 17 points. It's pretty good. I mean, two touchdowns yes. and a field goal on four drives. Like, I'll take that. And then after the hat, final drive of the first half, punt, seven-place punt. And then coming out of halftime, I mean, you're up 17 to nothing coming out of halftime, three and out five plays punt six plays field goal three plays punt five plays punt four plays punt and and not only that Mike but like Miami almost refused to run the ball like they didn't even try it And, and some of it maybe you understand because Jalen Knighton finishes this game as your leading rusher 10 carries for 27 yards like They weren't able to run the ball all that effectively, and I get that. But A, that's a problem. B, from just like a game management standpoint, you're trying to put the game away, and you had the ball like seven times in the second half, and only one of those drives went more than two and a half minutes? Like, good grief. Yeah. What is happening with this team? That is just poor game management. It was bizarre to watch.
0: It's just not a very well-coached football team right now. And Mm-mm. I mean, you're kind of seeing it week. And over it's not week. like they
1: were starting from scratch coming off Manny Diaz. Like, no,
0: no, this they were is fine before this is that's the thing. And like I mentioned this before, but like I'm starting to really believe it now that I'm watching Miami more like week over week and how they've kind of struggled over the last month or so. You can't tell me that Manny Diaz would have this team in a worse spot than they're in this year. Under Cristobal, Mm-mm. you can't tell me that. You can't tell nope. me that that this team it would be a lot worse coached, a lot worse off record-wise. They wouldn't be playing as well. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I, I and again, I think Cristobal in the long term. Do I think it'll pay off better than Manny Diaz would in the long term? Probably. I mean, jury's still out, but probably. So I think it was the right long-term mm-hmm. hire, but short-term. Like, you're telling me that and that doesn't mean you don't make the change, by the way. I'm just saying, like, with how sure. poorly Miami's played, it's made me think about it like, man, what would this team have looked like if Manny Diaz was the one coaching it this year? I'll tell you what, like, I think Van Dyke would look better. Like, I and he hasn't been horrible mm-hmm. the last couple weeks, but he hasn't played great all year. So there there are some questions with Miami for sure. And I'm interested to see kind of kind of where they go the rest of the season and how this kind of looks yeah. because the cupboard was not left bare like there was no reason for this t- to be a year zero and and I tweeted this mm-hmm. about Notre Dame last night after Notre Dame lost to Stanford I, I said this, there was no reason for that to be a year zero situation at Notre Dame either and and I'm looking at Notre Dame and Miami in kind of a similar light where they had a coaching change but mm-hmm. they also had a lot of roster retention and they shouldn't be as bad as they are. And I think they're both mm-hmm. in kind of situations now where coaches are trying, the, the coaching staffs in particular are trying to explain it away. Like, no, nah, we'll be, we'll be better. Like we're still kind of, you know, building something here. We're building a culture. We're doing this. We're doing that. I can kind of get in Miami sense. I, I don't really get it in Notre Dame sense, but like, they're both kind of in this situation where they're trying to like spin it in the media and their rosters were pretty good coming into the year. So, Miami's yeah. got to answer the mail at, at some point here and try to figure out really like what's going wrong. And like Cristobal, when he's trying to establish a culture, like it's, it's gotta be going better than it's going right now. in year one, like you can't mm-hmm. be having a losing record if be talked about how there's going to be this vast culture change and everything, especially
1: when you had a winning record last year under Mandy Diaz. It's just, when getting stopped by Middle Tennessee, like, m- this game being as ugly as it was against what Virginia Tech is right now, like, yeah, you... It maybe wasn't ever going to be overnight improvement, but, like, it sh- seems like it should be better than this at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the floor should have been eight and four. Yeah. Right? Or seven Probably. and five at worst, right?
1: And, man, I don't Probably. know. That's... Well, and I'm I'm looking at I mean they're 3 and 3 right now, right? So they got to win 3 more games to to get to a bowl game. They're going to get there, right? Because their final 6 games, home against Duke, at Virginia, home against Florida State, at Georgia Tech, at Clemson, home against Pittsburgh. Like yes, they should go into Charlottesville and beat Virginia for sure. They should probably beat Duke at home next week, but I don't know how great I feel about that. Florida State, I think, will beat Miami. I think, and then after that, going on the road to Georgia Tech, like that's historically been a total fallout spot if you lose to Florida State, and then you got Clemson, and then you got Pittsburgh at home, who is plenty game and could beat you. Like, there's a there's a noticeable chance here that Miami finishes like five and seven this year. And, and oh yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it could be a little bit of a rebuild, or and you know, not quite the the instant improvement but like that's not acceptable
0: no no i mean miami fans are already sitting here saying like some of them anyway are sitting here saying like yeah the roster's clearly like not where it needs to be and i'm like mm-hmm. what not and that, that not cam right not cam cam's not saying that yeah campaign think, cam thinks it should be a lot better with the roster they currently have but mm-hmm. um because it should and can they recruit better moving forward yes and will they probably Cristobal's been a pretty good recruiter. So I think they'll be they'll be in a better spot like roster-wise. I don't think this is the best the roster's ever going to be under Cristobal. But at the same time like with what's there they should be playing a lot better than they are. For sure. Like yep. there's nothing that can I took away from this performance that made me feel really good about Miami give me like the warm and
1: fuzzies. No, not at all. Right. Last thing I'll say here is I I I, at this point I'm kind of at a loss for who to blame. But this combo of Mario Cristobal and Josh Gaddis and the resulting offense, speaking of uh speaking of cheeks, like something ain't great there. Something ain't working. And I I don't know, you know, whether it's Cristobal, I don't know if it's Gaddis. I don't know if it's the combination of the two. I don't know what it is, but Something ain't working there, and uh, we're going to have to see if that that improves or if not. I mean, I I think you give it another year, but, you know, you mentioned the whole, well, it couldn't be worse under Manny Diaz. I mean, Rhett Lashley leaving to be the head coach at SMU, like, it was always going to be a change to something, but changing to this is not proving, uh, you know, workable or or, uh, valuable at this point.
0: Yeah, and Michigan's offense hasn't exactly looked too bad since the Burroughs Award winner offensive coordinator left. Like, hmm, they're rolling. So hmm. just hmm.
1: continuing to test that theory out. There you go. Miami 20, Virginia Tech 14 as uh, somebody had to cover and Virginia Tech took that uh took that mantle and ran with it. You Mike, guys laughed uh, you at the lock, man. Awards y'all
0: laughed y'all y- 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 laughed at the lock and here laughed we are.
1: Well, yeah. It it got there. And it was uh yeah, it was a little bit that SpongeBob meme of, you know, now let him have it. You can take it. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Miami. Put it in
0: the put it in the wind calm, baby. It still cashes.
1: Tickets cash, that's right. Mike, let's go have some awards. Let's do it. The Go ACC moment of the week. We were uh, we were honestly struggling for candidates here. I don't think there were uh, a whole lot of kind of ridiculous moments that stood out to me. The biggest one that I, I think I saw was uh, it was somewhere in the third of the fourth or early fourth quarter of Duke and North Carolina. Duke lines up and uh, they're they're pretty clearly going to run some sort of razzle dazzle play. Uh, a little bit of a jet sweep action. Uh, hand that off. Oh, got flips off to another wide receiver and tossed back to the quarterback. We got a double reverse flea flicker, Mike. Pass gets thrown to a uh, receiver behind the line of scrimmage and falls incomplete. And it is... I I just laughed at that. It was like the most anticlimactic attempt at a double reverse flea flicker that I think I've ever seen in my life. So, go easy to see that.
0: Just how they drew it up.
1: <laughs> Jeff, just... Double reverse flea flicker, throw it in the dirt, and move on. Third down. All right. So go ACC to that Duke. Uh, good, good shot. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll try it again next week. We'll see how it goes. The Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award, Mike. I, I felt like this goes to both Miami and Virginia Tech in the fourth. Oh game. boy, uh, as Miami really, really tried to give that game away, and Virginia Tech really tried to make a comeback, and uh, both of them, in their own ways, kind of failed. Uh, they tried, yeah. Uh, they tried to do something. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah, it was uh, it was an effort, an effort, a valiant one. But uh, you know, we'll try again next week. So, uh, hey, go get them. Absolutely, Mike. The Kobe <laughs> Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter of the Week award. Uh, once again, we're going to go back to the well in Blacksburg, and uh, Jalen Knighton, ten carries for twenty-seven yards. Malachi Thomas for Virginia Tech. 13 carries for 41 yards. To that, Mike, you said. Kobe! Kobe! There you go. You got it. You got there. Anything else on awards for this week? Anything else stick out to you as fun or funny? Ridiculous?
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I just want to say is, with college football, there's just a little something for everybody. You know? If you want Mm -hmm. some really good football, you could... You know, watch Clemson and Florida State, or you could watch Florida Tennessee or Florida Tennessee. Well, that that game actually was pretty good. What I meant to say was Tennessee Alabama, um, Utah USC, or you could watch like NC State Syracuse or Virginia Tech Miami. Yeah, it's a it's a smorgasbord.
1: Yeah, that's that's really how you know how far down the well you are is uh, whether you're watching one of those those games or one of those games.
0: Right. Or, you know, in in me and Scott's case, you could be watching Hawaii at 2 in the morning on Facebook. Which, you know... Or some... (laughs) Or not even Facebook. Like, you know, some weeks you're watching Hawaii on some foreign app, which really just has, like, high school games on it. And then all of a sudden, Hawaii comes on at, like, 2.30 in the morning. High school cheerleading. That's right. Which...
1: Absolute cry (laughs) for help.
0: Uh, I mean... Look, we gotta see if the bet cashes, okay? You gotta have some late night action. Right. Well, there's sprinkle that. in a little bit. Yeah, you gotta sprinkle in a little bit.
1: You betting spreads or totals in those high school cheerleading matches? <laughs> I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave that alone.
0: I'm gonna leave you, that alone. You're the one that brought it up. I.
1: You're the one that brought it up.
0: I always spreads. Oh god.
1: Team of the week, Mike. Who you got? (laughs) We're still on the live stream. Don't get us canceled. We haven't gotten to 100 subscribers yet.
0: Team team of the week's Clemson.
1: (laughs) Actually, you know what? No, no, Joey. You can have Clemson.
0: No, 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 no. Team of the week is uh, is actually North Carolina because you and I both had the over in various ways and it hit. So, Team of the week's Carolina.
1: Got there with 15 seconds left. All right, go Heels. Um, I'll take Syracuse, my team of the week. Nice. They continue to win. They're 6-0, and man, just like we all knew. Oh, yeah. Player of the week, who you got? Arande Gadsden from Syracuse. Man, he had a great game, didn't he? That was really He good. did,
0: Joey. He did, Joey. Um, he finished with eight catches for 141 yards, two touchdowns.
1: Yeah. That's fair. That's a good good choice. I'll take Drake May. Um I, I thought that he he really lit up Duke. He had 450 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Um combined passing and rushing yards by the way. Um he he was also North Carolina's leading rusher if I'm not mistaken. He was really good. He did have a couple turnovers, not the not the best, but um I'll I'll take Drake May. I thought he he was a huge reason that they were able to win that game. Um distributing the ball out and everything. Uh, by the way, honorable mention, shout out, Akeem Mesidor, three and a half sacks in that game for Miami against Virginia Tech's offense, so uh, credit to him. That's that's a uh, quite the number to put up. That is.
0: Even if you are playing like an FCS offense.
1: That's right. That's right. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else on week seven? Only four games, and we don't have that many next
0: week either, so...
1: You know, even gonna ask how uh, how our boys did?
0: Oh, I know how they did, Joey. They got
1: that dub, baby. Yeah, they did. Bowling Green seventeen, the Miami RedHawks thirteen. As uh, Bowling Green three and four on the year, two and one in on the MAC. Is uh is Scott Leffler going bowling? Don't get us canceled. He's he's <laughs> going, not getting fired.
0: That's what he's doing.
1: There you go. That's that's going to be a bold attempt he makes. We got 5 games mm. left all in the MAC. We'll see how it goes. Central Michigan, Western Michigan, Kent State, Toledo, Ohio. They might be able to get 3 wins in there.
0: It'll be fun to moderate on like Tuesday nights here coming up soon.
1: Sure will. Just How's don't baby lose doing like you did to Buffalo by 31 points. Baby's hanging in there. Uh, baby's hungry. So uh, I might need to get out of here and go uh, work on that situation.
0: Yes, understood.
1: Yeah. All right, Mike, let's work on getting out of here. That's all we got on week seven. Uh, Fun week in the ACC for a a short slate of games. We're going to come back and preview week eight. Uh, We do have some weeknight action this week. So we will be coming back and probably posting a preview by Thursday morning at the uh, the very latest. But Georgia Tech and Virginia playing Thursday night. And then we will have a slate of four games on Saturday that we will help get you ready for as, once again, a bunch of other teams taking their uh, their bye weeks this week. So we will uh, come back and get you prepared for that. In the meantime, come find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns, to the longest email address known to man, Podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. You can find us on YouTube. Once again, go search for Basketball Conference. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, we really appreciate those who are doing so. We are going to continue doing some live stream stuff there as well as on Twitter. Um, so join us, we will try to give you some more uh, advanced, you know, heads up and, and kind of give some, uh, maybe keep a consistent schedule even is what I've heard people do sometimes. So we will uh, maybe see how that goes. Yes, we might have no choice we, but to uh, <laughs> have a consistent schedule to be quite honest with you. <laughs> might have, yeah, might have no choice. Um, we are, uh, we are on iTunes, we're on Spotify, all those good places you can go find your podcast. and Mike, where else are they going to be able to find us on the social medias? facebook facebook.com slash basketball commerce rate review find some of our podcasts there please do please do and we're on instagram at bc podcast acc and uh, go find section 103 on instagram as well you never know when a great deal is going to pop up even Thousand somehow percent. even better than go ac using promo code go acc uh for 10 percent off your first order so go check them out there as well mike that's all i got anything else no i think we're good I think we're good. Producer Scott has a nugget. Let's see how this goes. Ooh. We are, oh. yeah. This episode will put us to 100,000 plays all time on Anchor. So uh, if you are the 100,000th download, um, thank you for your service. I don't think there's a prize. Maybe there could be, I don't know,
0: yes, and I hear rumors that if you if we can confirm you're the hundred thousandth uh listener, Joey will host you in his house for a week.
1: that's what they're saying, that's what the people are saying <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: what the people are saying you
1: might you so, might be tagged into you know duty to help feed the kid or you know other things like that but um but yeah, sure yeah it's literally pre- literally, literally
0: it. all literally all inclusive. That means you got to help take care of his kid. Kids. That's right. That's what what all-inclusive means. Kids plural. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's right. That's right. Mike, this has been fun. Let's come back in uh, preview week eight. How's How's that? Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC.